Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fool. I'm your host, Chris Amador. This podcast is a tribute to the people I've met along my journey and to their stories. I've learned a lot from all of them, and I'm really grateful. This conversation is with my new friend, Harriet. If I had to describe my fellow introvert in one word, it would be lovely. She lives in London, England, and is a die-hard Crystal Palace fan. She loves her books, and we share a love for writing. You will also hear about what life has been like during COVID and what politicians in the UK are doing in response to the pandemic. Hint, it's a real mess. It was fun getting to know Harriet, and I'm sure you will enjoy it as well. And so it begins. Hello. Hello. How are you? Is it on? Well, well, how are you? I'm good. Fantastic. Chilly as hell. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, last time I checked this morning, it it was uh, three degrees. Wow. Yeah, three degrees. That is very, very cold. Yeah. So that's why I have the hat on. Yeah. And and, and the sweater. Yeah, I love Uh, the hat. Your football team. Oh, of course. Barcelona, of course. Mm. You are a football fan yourself? Yeah, I follow, although I should follow them a bit more, I kind of lost touch a little bit, I'd say. But my family are all mad Crystal Palace fans. Crystal Palace? Yeah, nice. they are a tough nice. team to follow. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not so much... Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not like... The, what I appreciate most about teams are, are the fans. Yeah. You know, I, love it, I love it when fans just really get behind their team no matter what. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if somebody had to put a gun to my head, like what, what American football team I'd like, you know, I would say Detroit Lions because their fans, they went, they went scoreless one season and they still were you know, like, we're not walking away. Yeah. That's how I kind of see Crystal Palace fans. It's like. Yes, definitely. It's very tough, very tough team. You're, you're always going to get heartbroken, but yeah. you got to love it. What, what, what are your reasons? I, do you know what, it's funny what you just said about the Detroit Lions because um, something, so I lived in Canada for three years, but in Toronto and I was talking to my friend's boyfriend, he's like a mad uh, Maple Leafs hockey fan. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like in the UK, if your team's doing really badly, like do you turn against the team and go and support another team? And I was like, no, you're in it for life. Like you, you can't do that. You can get angry and like really frustrated and upset, but you would never just think no I'm going to support another team and he was like oh anyway some American sports some people do do that it's a lot more common and I found that very interesting that would be very frowned upon here yeah it is it's it's um and and, and sometimes it makes it difficult for me to even watch uh UFC fights because you hear them chant for one fighter and then when the other fighter gets the best yeah yeah, and they they, and then they cheer for the other person it's I don't get it no I don't get that yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in it. You know, I'm in it. No matter how bad the team is, I think like you, it's, yeah, yeah I'm in it. So how did you end up um, supporting Barcelona? I mean, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it as much as possible. Um, I, I always kind of knew I had a different, my, I was different from my, the family I grew up with. Yeah. And so one day I found out uh, when I was 35 that I, I had a different father. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, that was a real, real punch in the stomach. Real, wow! Yeah, I mean the thing is, and I found out his name was Juan Rodriguez, and finding Juan Rodriguez is like finding a needle at the bottom of the ocean, you know, like a John Smith. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so I've, I tracked somebody down who supposedly was my father. And I went to visit this person in Barcelona. This person said he was my dad and I believed him at the time. And so I just got to know the city, the people, yeah. and I just fell in love. You yeah. Know, that was it. Like, this is, this is where I know I want to spend the last part of my days. This is where yeah. I need to have a home here. I need yeah. to, I belong here. The food is great. People are fantastic. They're super, super incredibly nice. So yeah. I've just been following them ever since. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end, the end of the story, it's, um, I found out he wasn't my father. Okay. He, he was just some really nice guy. Um, but my, my actual biological father's last name was uh, Rivera. So now I know where he's buried. Uh, he's buried in Philadelphia. So yeah, um, and this I got is somewhat an interesting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it was you know then I found my my, my dad's side of the family uh, years later. Yeah. So not some of them are Barcelona fans. So um, but yeah, I, I just I just fell in love with the team. That's why I like Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Um, I love the fans. I love yeah. the fans. So. Um, so I would love to go to Crystal Palace game. Hopefully you can. Oh my God. They, yes. yes. I was, um, when was it maybe like four years ago that something went a bit viral on Facebook or my dad shared it with me and an American um, guy was taking like his son to was he maybe like for his 21st birthday to the UK. So his son really wanted to see like a football game. And the dates they were there, there was about three options of like where they could go. And they rang up a UK uh, like sport. I think it was Five Live, which is like our big football sports channel. And they mm-hmm. said, these are the options. We can go to like Old Trafford. We can go to Anfield. We can go to like Selhurst Park, which is where Crystal Palace are. And the guy was like, I'll be honest, you must go to Selhurst Park. And he said this saying, he said, it will blister your soul. He was like, the fans and the noise, it is like iconic. It's quite small. And it's a bit run down compared to like, you know, Anfield, Old Trafford. Um, and it kind of went a bit viral because he was like, you will have like almost a spiritual experience of like. Wow. Yeah. So you, I think you'd love it. Yeah. I, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. I mean, we'll I, I, I just love, I love the sport. I really, it's, for an American, I, I, I play the sport when I was a teenager. I, I somehow scored a goal to this day. I, I don't remember how I did it, but um <laughs> I was just like, when, even when I scored it, I spun around like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, and they didn't show it at all. The only time they showed uh, football in the States was uh, a Champions game or something, uh, yeah. or a World Cup. Yeah. So it was hard to get involved in the, in the sport. But years later, like I said, when I got involved, it was like, I love this sport. Yeah. It's amazing. I, loved, loved, I love being around people who enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah. So that's why I can't wait to go to Crystal Palace. Uh, oh, does yeah, your family have season tickets? Yeah, they do. They do? My mom, my dad, my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, uh, it, what's the uh, stadium capacity? I think it's about 27,000. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper mm. to get. Well, it's a bit more expensive now they're in the Premier League, but it's much cheaper compared to like Arsenal or Chelsea, mm. which is like impossible to get a season ticket. You're on a waiting list for <laughs> your whole life. Um, it's a lot more doable, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, you don't have to bankrupt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are the uh, Crystal Palace uh, derbies? What, what what are the rival? Brighton is the biggest, Brighton. which is funny because my mum's from near Brighton, um, and it's a really it's a bit strange because Brighton is on the coast and Crystal Palace is South London, 
So just it does seem like a bit of a random one. It's not like it's not like Brighton's in London as well. Um, and the history is really strange. I don't think I could even tell you the history of the derby, but it's my dad says that he doesn't actually like going to the games anymore because the threat of violence is actually it's become a bit too much. Um, mm. Lots and lots of police. Um, it the amount of planning that goes into one of the games is a lot because they're just the really you know football does have a bit of a problem with some of the fans but at the Brighton Crystal Palace games the dodgy fans do go too far and it's a bit now my dad's a bit older he's like a bit freaked out really I don't want to be kettled by the police for an hour on like a, at 10 p.m on a Tuesday in December um yeah. but that's like the ultimate one and then Millwall when they were in the same division so Millwall is in southeast London and it has a real reputation for like football violence and threats like I wouldn't go to a game there ever I wouldn't want to be around the area on game day <laughs> so it's a it's a hooliganism right but yeah very yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas Crystal Palace isn't really like that but yeah, Millwall has like the reputation in the UK, as far as I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> I mean, I would like to go to any stadium and and, and check a uh, check a game out, but I don't. I don't think I would ever like to go during a rivalry. It just seemed like it's too, you, the fun's just not going to be there. Yeah, I agree. It, it gets very serious very quickly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem as fun. And so there, so it's just the three of you, your mom, your dad, and, and you, or you have brothers and sisters? Uh, I've got a brother who is 18 months older than me. Okay. Um, and what's nice is that he came to visit me at university and met one of my friends. This was 14 years ago, and they're married with a toddler. So my best friend from uni is my sister-in-law now, which is really nice. Nice. Um, Nice. Yeah, so when they had a baby two years ago, it was really interesting. So I was like, this little nephew is going to be a mix of my best friend and my brother. And it was it was really nice. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, it was lovely. That's so cool. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like you got somebody to go to if, if you got to complain about one or the other. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good point. What about you? Um, as far as uh, friends or family? Uh, siblings. Or... Um, technically, I'm an only child. Yeah. Um, I, I have a different father than, yeah. than the people I grew up with. So um, siblings on my mom's side, I had 11. Uh, and uh, on my dad's side, I had four. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I, I have no idea whether I have no communication with anybody on my mom's side of the family. Yeah. On my dad's side, there I my brother Papo, I haven't met. He's in Puerto Rico and uh I'm planning on seeing him this year, you know, when things get a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 actually um I I super enjoy being alone. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a big introvert as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm quite like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean what 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 makes you the the introvert? Did were you always a kid that had all you had to do was just give you crayons and a paper bag and you're all set or I was a big uh reader and I still am like I'd mm -hmm. read and read and read and read uh we'd go to the library like once a week and I'd get I think you could get eight as a child and mm -hmm. I just I just loved it <laughs> just read and read and read um but as I've got older I found that because people would think I was an extrovert but I'm not at all like I need 
I need alone time to like recharge mm-hmm. and relax. Like I don't want to be around people all the time. Like when I've lived with housemates, I'm like, you do know that I will sit in my room quite a lot sometimes <laughs> and just like read, relax. Like I can't be around people all the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hear you. But but what are your what do you like to read? God, I love I love memoirs. Like oh okay. Particularly for some reason. Um, memoirs by Chinese women which I know is a bit of a, a niche one but when I was what, 80 I found this book called The Good Women of China um, and it was a Chinese journalist who um, had kind of caused waves in China by having a late night radio show that encouraged women to call in anonymously um, and talk about their lives and this was in she started doing this at the beginning of the 2000s and it was like unheard about there culturally and really mm-hmm. frowned upon and the stories were absolutely amazing what was the book again it's called the good women of china good women of china yeah um and then this journalist moved to the uk um and kind of promoted I don't know if respect of Chinese women is the right word, but it gave them a voice. Yeah, that's what it like, gave them a voice. And she wrote quite a few books and it's just so interesting. And after that, I like, I love any novels set in China, Japan, Southeast Asia, anything like that. Um, and definitely memoirs I love, which I don't really know why, but I love all books. Like sometimes I'm in the mood for a thriller. If I've read, if I've read quite a heavy book, I do then think, oh, I just want a quick read, like a formulaic thriller, <laughs> just to... <laughs> give my brain a bit of a break but yeah reading is definitely a big passion of mine have you read a book because I've, I've read a couple of uh chinese memoirs myself have you read the book um the red azalea oh no i haven't that's a good red one. azalea yeah to make a night where's my pen yeah I'll that's a really that. really good one it's about a, a woman who was going through the um uh when mao was in the, yeah he was just coming out of power and her experience during that and her parents who were prominent doctors and in the uh, communist uh, uh, environment were at the very end of their lives sent to go work in a factory um and in the rest of the desk that was her that was her thank you for saving lives to being a part of this movement this that to go work in a factory in their in their late 60s um oh my word yeah and, and that's what that's what i i always refer to people who think that you know, communism is the answer and people hold up communist flags. It's like, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like how many more millions you need to, you know, people need to die to yeah. so can prove that this doesn't work. Communism yeah. just does not work. No. But uh, it's just crazy. Well, is, is that your favorite of the uh, the memoirs? My favorite, mem- my, my favorite book, my favorite memoir is Wild by Cheryl Strayed um, about, so when she was 26, I think, she lost her mum really suddenly to cancer when she was 20 and she kind of spiralled because her dad wasn't in her life and she got really into, she like dropped out of college. She's an amazing writer, um, got into drugs um, and like kept cheating on her husband. And she, one day she was in um, a shop with her friend and she saw, a, you know, just a random book about the Pacific Crest Trail, which runs from I think the border of Mexico up, up through California right up to Canada and she was like I'm gonna walk it one summer um and I thought at the time because I kept hearing so much about this book um and it eventually got made into a film by Reese Witherspoon and I thought I don't really want to read a book about hiking I don't think I'm going to find it interesting at all and I would definitely say it changed my life it was just the most 
she's such a beautiful writer and it's all about like redemption and self-forgiveness um and it's quite spiritual I'd say and it's just like at the end I was absolutely sobbing my eyes out because I just thought she is amazing and I've kind of used it as whenever I feel worried about something or there's like a big challenge going on I always like turn back to that book I find it very comforting I, and I think I, if I may be so bold I think the reason why it speaks to you because it's not only was she needed to be such an introvert to solve this problem of grief yeah she needed to really go inward like physically go inward and and, and heal herself yeah is is that what you want to do one day? Just like go on, let's say the 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 road to Santiago or something. You know what I do? I have yeah. that's one of my life goals. Like me too. Yeah, I remember Salome saying. Um, I read a <laughs> novel actually about the Camino to Santiago, mm-hmm. which yeah. I'd kind of heard of it before, um, but then I read that maybe a couple of years ago, and it definitely made me want to read it even more because um, I hadn't really heard about that route before um yeah um but oh my god I would love to do that yeah a solo kind of hike where you get to really know yourself and go inward is definitely on my list yeah when would you like to do it oh yesterday yesterday (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, for sure meet people along the way just like what this podcast is all about it's meeting people along the way in my life and and having a time capsule about them and why they're interesting and why I find them interesting. It's, there is something a little bit, a little bit more I want to know about myself. A little bit more. There's just something, there's just something there. I'm just, I can't get through the day-to-day work. I can't get through, you know, spending time with friends or writing a book or reading a book. I just, I need to walk it out. You know, Alexander the Great and Nietzsche, they, they all were big advocates of, going for great journeys and long walks and stuff. So it's like, but I want to go somewhere where I can see the stars and. Oh, oh, absolutely. That is exactly it. Yeah. And feel very connected to the universe and yeah, would love it. Did you hear about the myth behind the the road to Santiago? No, I didn't. What is it? Um, I think I mentioned another podcast, but there's like a seashells along the way. Oh yes. When you're Northern and, um, Apparently, it's the pathway to get to um, Atlantis. Oh. And so, which was at the very edge of Spain. So, that was a pathway to get there. I mean, at one point, you could walk from England to France. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, during the Ice Age, you could walk from England to France. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, that, that water melted or asteroids came down, was, is one theory. And if you want to go yeah. from England to England and France, now you got to pay somebody, you know? Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, but that's, I, I just like, I just want to be a part of that whole mystic environment and yeah. trying and stuff. So, but being that you like to read a lot, is there a thing that you want to write about? I don't, I feel, it's funny actually, because I've got a note next to me that that is something that I really want to explore this year because I've, it's definitely something I want to do and I've never felt that the time is right or even what the idea would be. But mm-hmm. I can feel that it's coming. Like I can mm-hmm. feel it in me, which I've never really felt before. I've always thought, oh, it will be in the future. But I do, I did English at university and loved it, but I don't, I definitely want to do a course on, you know, how would I even go about structuring whatever idea I have? Because I do feel very overwhelmed by the idea. Like I don't think I could just sit down and start writing. I don't think I'm really like that. 
although I wish I was. Um, so my next aim is to explore a course that will just help me in the right direction. Um, but I just, it's very, very funny you say that, as I can tell that in the next year or so, the idea will like come to me. <laughs> it's just not ready yet. <laughs> I, I can save you time and money right now. Okay. Right now. So you don't have to take a course. You don't have to go anywhere. The book that changed my life, that made me reflect on myself and my thinking, that gave me abundance of ideas and in stories and what's helping me to write is called The Artist Way. Oh, that's so strange. Two days ago, that popped up and I was like, this book, someone has mentioned this book before. And apparently it's a very, very important book. So, okay, The Artist Way. Yeah. I need to write this down. Now, you got to Okay, get, that's good. You got to get the journal that goes with it. Okay. Okay, because if you, if you happen to get like a, like this, this, I have this journal here that's kind of, it's got a lot of spacing to it. Yeah. And, and the Artist Way journal is very thin. Oh, okay. Okay, so you, so you got to write. So the whole point of the book is you got to get the workbook and then you got to get the journal that goes with it. Um, you must do it for 30 days. I'm sorry, for 90 days straight. Get up, get your coffee, you know, whatever you got to do. The first thing you do, because you want the reason why it's you need to do it like when you're groggy is because that's a period of time when you're when you're most creative. Okay. All right. So get up before everything, write three pages. Okay. And it can be, I have no idea why the fuck I'm doing this. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> you know, Chris is a jerk for making me do this, you know, <laughs> and then something comes up, you know, something comes up from it. I promise you, you will be a creative machine after doing this thing for 90 days. Okay, yes. I'm going to do it. It's so self-reflective because her, her thing is 90% of the thoughts that you have today are carried over from the day before and the day before that. You get them written out and on something, you're free to think of other things and be more creative. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, she truly saved my life. She was the first person that, that made a huge change in me because of this book. Okay. Yeah. Um, another good one to read uh, if you want to start writing is Bird by Bird. Bird by, by Bird. Yeah, and Lamott. That's a that's a fantastic book. But what is up there, what is completely up there as far as being able to write, uh, Stephen King's book. Oh, um, I love that. Okay, so did? that's I read that maybe like ten years ago when I was like, I'm going to write a book, but I had no idea what I wanted to write about, and I read that and. <laughs> I thought it was it's one of the best books I've ever read for sure um yeah. but I just didn't have I probably maybe I didn't have the inclination the time to get into the routine you know he talks about you must get up you must write you must have a routine <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I was like I'll come back to this book in about 10 or 12 years but not now but yeah I loved that book and funnily enough actually for my dad's 60th my dad is a massive Boston Red Sox fan um, and we went to Boston to go and see a game. And you know, Stephen King is a huge fan. Mm -hmm. We were um, on our way to the game. We were just waiting at um, like traffic lights to cross the road. Um, and a very unassuming man. Um, and my dad nudged me and he was like, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, that's Stephen King. I was like, no, it's not. Because it was after he'd recovered from that massive accident. Mm -hmm. um, but you would, I was like, so shocked I was so shy my dad was like please go and say hi to him you'll regret it if you don't and I was like I can't I'm too shy but um about two or three people noticed him and he was so nice and so sweet 
and I was so close to being like but I didn't want to annoy him and but I regret it to this day because he was so nice to the people that said hi to him and I just wish I had because he's a legend yeah yeah I mean he's, he's sometimes parents are right I know <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes they are I mean not always but oh no yeah I yeah. mean is, do you have are you a fan of his work or when I was a teenager I read a couple of books um which ones did I read I read it mm-hmm. and what was the other one one What'd of the collection of the ending of I can't even remember it it really scared me like yeah. you know they remade the film yeah yeah yeah, I was like, I, I cannot go and see that. Like, it really, really traumatised me, so I can't even remember the ending. <laughs> oh, no. What were the other ones? There was a short story collection. Oh, I ended night- up scaring myself. <laughs> the Night Shift? I think it was, yeah. 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 Well, the one that got me was this guy that got stranded on an island, and there was no vegetation. He tried to, uh, he tried to kill seagulls, and he ended up breaking his, his foot. <laughs> or breaking his hand so the only thing he's got to eat or or he starts with his foot and then he, something else breaks and he starts with his leg and he starts eating his he starts eating oh god so, yeah, actually obviously the shining and the film i love the film misery i really love that yeah that was good yeah film. yeah that, that was, was really good what genre if you had to write something what genre would it be definitely i really like coming of age novels I love them um mm-hmm. I would love to write something around that although I think that would be tricky um I do have something that I really something I want to focus or have something around the book is something to do with solstice especially summer solstice hmm. um because I love I'm really bad with winter and like the dark nights um and I love the light and everything like that but I get so sad every year on summer solstice because I'm like the lights going away in the last couple of years. I've really tried to have like a ritual around it and, you know, have be very grateful and, you know, go for long walks and light candles and say kind of thank you to the universe mm-hmm. for, you know, giving us the light and everything, because I really do find that I just get so melancholy. Like when September comes for a couple of weeks, I, I really miss the summer, even if it's still hot and I can see the light changing. I think, oh, I really don't want autumn and winter. So ironically, my favourite day of the year is winter solstice because then I know the light is coming back. But something that I've really noticed about myself is that I need to learn to like embrace embrace it now and stop worrying, you know, because like, I find that I count the days down till summer solstice and I'm like, just enjoy the light now. So it's, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter what environment it is. It could be cold, could be hot. You just you just want more light. Yeah, yeah. I think because we are obviously the UK is nothing like you know Norway or anything like that, but it does get dark um, in the winter. Like I think at the worst, it gets dark at ten to four, and yeah. it's just especially I've really noticed, and a lot of people have said this because we're in lockdown at the moment in the UK. And it's been really difficult working from home when it's been getting dark so light. Um, it's made a massive difference. You know, you finish about six or six thirty, and you feel like it's half past eleven at night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. What about you? What do you think about? What's your favourite season? Uh, I would say the fall, and then the springtime. And the reason is, it's uh, I grew up in a house that didn't have any insulation. So, yeah, it was in upstate New York that is yeah. really, really cold. So I, I always hated the cold, hated it. Yeah. 
And then the, the summertime, because it was poorly insulated, um, it got hotter inside than it was outside. Oh, wow. So the only times like life felt bearable in those extremes was yes. the, the fall and spring. Wow. And, uh, yeah. But, but the fall, the, when the fall leaves came around, I would make big piles of leaves and jump into them. And the neighborhood kids would you know, yeah. do cra- I mean, literally from 15 feet in the air, go right down to a pile of leaves. Crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So, but no, those two, those two times of the year, but I, I'm really over this weather. I'm really over it. Yeah, um, for sure. So what what happened during lockdown for you? That must have been really, really tough. It so was. you're in your second, second lockdown, right? This We're year. on our third. A yeah, third. Okay. third. So, but this is another proper lockdown because they've shut the schools again. So our second lockdown, they kept the schools open. Um, so it helped the parents a lot more. But this one, they've shut. Um, the schools going to they just there's no guidelines when they think they're going to open um it, it's been so mismanaged here it's it's really sad yeah. yeah it's i mean i know in the us it wasn't great but hopefully it'll be better now um yeah. but here it's oh, it's just it's ridiculous and my mum she owns a nursing home um so it was obviously really stressful for her mm. um but luckily they've managed to at the whole time without one resident getting coronavirus which is like unheard of and it's because well they think it's because these two local family doctors set up a whatsapp group for um the staff in care and nursing homes in the area and they were just on there all the time giving amazing they were just on there all hours whatsapping any medical advice to help these people because the government kept changing their minds their advice was ridiculous like we had a uh, something called Public Health England that is like you know the medical body for public health and that ended up being disbanded about six months ago because they did such a bad job um, wow. yeah um, but my mum like credits it to these two amazing doctors that have just they're always there giving advice you know in their own lives like in like you know personal hours when they're not at the GP surgery um, and they've just been so helpful so my mum's like we are very lucky how did your mom meet these guys? They're just like the local doctors. So okay. they would come in and do, um, you know, like checkups on the residents usually. Oh, okay. um, but when lockdown happened, they couldn't really do that. So it just all moved to WhatsApp and they just gave great advice and it was really helpful. So they were just doing this like, to, to volunteer? Like, yeah, just to help. Yeah, it wasn't wow. part of their jobs. Yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah, it's really nice. cool. I know. I want her to nominate them for some award. Um, but yeah, they sound like amazing people. And, and and you live at home with your parents? I do at the moment. I usually live in London, but yeah. literally two weeks ago, I moved my stuff. My tenancy came to its ending and I thought there's no point in paying London rent right. when the city is completely shut down. So I've come back here for probably two to three months. And then when the UK kind of opens up again, I'll move back and get my own place, but yeah. which I'm excited about. But yeah, I wouldn't want to be there um, in lockdown. There's not, there's not much green space in London, especially yeah. where I lived. Whereas here, where my mum is, um, there's loads of countryside, a bit like where you are. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are the numbers in, uh, in your hometown? Are, they, are the numbers pretty high? Here, it's better. London's really bad. They were saying at one point that one in three people had it. Whereas here it's tiny, like where my mum is, there's not even like a pub or anything like that. It's really, really tiny. 
so it's a lot safer here. But it's still pretty, yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. So what? What's? It sounds like a third lockdown. Where do you think the failure has been coming from? Do you think it's coming to, from from Boris Johnson? Do you think it's? Yeah, I think he doesn't like making hard decisions, and he's a bit of a people pleaser. So he messes about and leaves it to the very last minute where he has no other option but to do the worst case scenario and then upsetting everybody so it's only now I find this insane that it's only now that they've introduced tests at the border and quarantine before anyone could come anyone now until about three days ago yeah it was just insanity and it was interesting because I was reading the paper last week and they listed the date that all countries shut their borders. It was like, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, right at the start last March. And then literally 10 months later, the UK introduced testing. It's just, he's so frustrating. And he's just, he's just a liar. He lied about Brexit and now Brexit has happened and, you know, people are upset. Like a lot of the, like the fishermen are really upset. A lot of like food producers are upset because they can't export to the EU without paying insane fees. It's just, it's really, it is really sad. Yeah. I mean, what's the, uh, what's the, like, what's, explain both sides of the Brexit situation. Brexit. So the reason it happened is there was like a small group of kind of Eurosceptics. And when David Cameron was in power, when did he leave? Well, he ended up leaving after the result of the referendum. But I think in 2015, he said that he would do an EU referendum just to kind of keep some people happy and get back in power in the general election. So in 2016, he held the referendum and it wasn't meant to be legally binding or anything. And pretty much like he was pro-Europe, so he wanted to stay. Nearly everyone, all the big politicians, um, were saying vote to remain. Um, and they did loads of financial studies, like they had loads of professors um, who basically were like, this will be insanity. Like, why would you vote to leave the EU, which means that you can live and work there. So I could just live and work there for the rest of my life on, an, on a British passport anywhere in the EU. Um, now I can't do that. I can only go for 90 days at a time. It, it's insane. But mm-hmm. the problems with the EU is that it is quite, like it's not perfect at all and it is quite clunky um it's a lot of red tape but the benefits far outweigh it in my mind like free movement um just I think also you know we had the two world wars in the 21st century to then be united with Europe right I think was symbolic and important like if my grandparents were still alive I think they'd be absolutely horrified that people voted to leave but anyway no one thought people like this will never happen like remain it's you know everyone knows the benefits of remaining it's so obvious like why would anyone vote to leave but then Boris Johnson um decided to that he wanted to leave and he ran up this big campaign where he um you know he drove around the UK in a bus with a lie on it that said that if we leave the EU the NHS um will get I think 350 million a week back which obviously, you know, our NHS is very underfunded because we've had a Conservative government for over 10 years who don't respect it and want to sell it off. Um, So some people were thinking, you know, oh, wow, well, 
well, you know, if £350 million a week is going to go to the NHS, I'm going to vote to leave. Mm-hmm. So there was that. That's been kind of targeted as one of the big reasons. But also there is definitely an anti-immigration sentiment to it. So a lot of people felt that our immigration was getting out of control. Um, you know, we're a small island and they thought there were too many people coming over here, as they say. Um, but no one thought that leave would win. No way. And it ended up being 52% voting to leave and 48% voting to remain, um, which was a massive shock. But again, it wasn't meant to be legally binding. But David Cam- the results came out and David Cameron, who was our prime minister, who ordered the referendum quit, which was just ridiculous. Everybody <laughs> couldn't believe it. Like he didn't even stay around to see it through. Um, then Theresa May, who was pro-Europe um, and didn't want to leave, was voted the Conservative leader. So she basically said Brexit means Brexit, we're going. Well, you voted, <laughs> we're going to leave, which was really shocking. Um, mm. And it kind of went from there. Yeah, can't believe it happened. It, it's it's almost like the, there's an accident waiting to happen and, and someone can stop it and no one does. It, it was, yeah, really strange. Now, because we have, in the UK, we have Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland and England who mm. like make up the United Kingdom, um, loads of people, the majority of Scotland voted to remain. And I think it was about two years before the Brexit referendum, David Cameron again um, did, a, did a referendum for the people of Scotland where they could vote if they wanted to remain part of the UK or leave. Um, and people voted to remain, so they didn't leave the UK. But then when it came out in the Brexit referendum that most of Scotland had voted to stay in the EU, they said, well, that's it. We're going to go for another referendum where, you know, Scotland can leave the UK and rejoin Europe. So I think another referendum is coming. Scotland will leave the UK, rejoin Europe. and Yeah, because that was a big deal a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of my family is Scottish. And when the Scottish referendum happened about leaving the UK, I thought I was really sad. I thought, oh, my God, I don't want them to leave at all. And now I think, please leave and give your future generations, you know, ex- yeah, hope and excitement. Like, why would you take away the ability to go and study in all the and live in all these amazing countries in Europe, which is such an amazing continent? It's just it's very insular thinking. It's a bit like the populism in the US with Trump. Very insular. Very. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we got to we can't just think about us anymore we got to think about uh, you know we got to think about the world like you it's like to go study in europe for as long as Amazing. you want i know it'd be you incredible know, yeah. to live in barcelona and become a fan and betray crystal palace <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like you, i know yeah. that i know that's what you really want to do yeah um, <laughs> um yeah that's, that's just crazy that's just crazy to give all that up i mean like you said yeah. i mean a lot, a good portion of the wars that took place in or between France and England. I mean, Shakespeare wrote about them. Yeah, you know? it's so sad. It's really sad. Yeah. So what now? What's what's next? What's next? In terms of Europe or Brexit? So we're out um, officially. He managed to get a deal. Um, but it was a rubbish deal. There's a big part of it is that it doesn't look after musicians. So if you know if you want to tour, 
um before with europe it was just so easy if you had a european tour you didn't need to get visas or anything like that and now it's absolute insanity so you know, people like elton john paul mccartney all these people have come out and said what on earth like this is stressful for the big musicians but these pe- these big musicians have money and teams that can sort out all the visas and the red tape what about you know the ones who are up and coming or who don't have the money behind them and are like starting out and they now can't go and tour Europe easily. It's just, it's just so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But it's done. That's it. And it's just sad. (laughs) It is really sad. There's a, there's a thing in carpentry we call dutching because there's a hole in, in the, in the wood and we just, but it's just like the surface or something we figure out a way to kind of put a patch in there just to make it look like there's not, you know, a hole. I kind of feel like what's happening between the U.S. and England, it's like there's a Dutch boy putting his finger in, in the, the damn wall yeah. and it's about to go. You know, it's like, it's, it's like there's something up between our countries that it just not, it's not making sense. I know. And then I know it's happening in, um, like in France, there's like a really emerging far right Mm-hmm. Italy. Where's the other? What's the other country? I can't remember. Austria. Poland. Oh, Austria. Austria. Yeah. Poland yeah. just passed insane abortion laws. There's loads of riots there. What? Uh, like what? Like Poland is now. It's gone to now. You can't have a termination. I think only if the mother's life is at risk. Oh no! Or even not then. Definitely not. So if rape incest you can't have an abortion you can't but i think yeah it's very bad it's gone completely backwards and there's lots of protests there yeah yeah it's like this world is going in the wrong direction the right in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah i know you know it's it's like in any good eastern philosophy it's always about balance it's not about going one direction or the other it's just it's weird yeah it's weird so a couple of years ago when I was working at a pizzeria. I, I waited, and it was kind of funny because I waited on this um, older couple from, from Scotland, and they were dead, dead set against leaving England. And then, then the next day, it was a younger couple, about uh, 22, 25, and they were telling me why you know, Scotland should go. Um, yeah. I always feel like I'd be so sad if they left, but I would, I would honestly be like, you must to protect your future generations and who knows i might even be able to get a scottish passport which is very selfish of me but so a lot of my friends have got or are getting irish passports um which is great because then they have the same eu rights that we had before and um, so that's kind of bittersweet i'm very jealous like when a friend gets their irish passport i'm really sad <laughs> yeah. uh, is there a push to have um brexit be gone or to be you know to be repealed there is yeah a lot i think i don't know how it would even begin i've got no idea i don't know if it would be a new government coming in that is pro-europe that would apply to rejoin i don't know how it would work but we now finally have a great opposition leader so we've now got so until Last summer, the leader of the Labour Party, which is like the left-wing one, was a guy called Jeremy Corbyn. He was serious socialist, or basically communist. Um, And he just, I mean, he got done for anti-Semitism in the party. It was really sad. Like, 
Um, he, was, he was awful to like Jewish members of the party. And he ran a disastrous election campaign against Boris Johnson. So when Boris Johnson was made leader of the Conservative Party, when Theresa May quit, Boris Johnson ran a general election so that you know he would have the backing of the country. And everyone knew that if Boris won, we'd definitely, definitely be going ahead with Brexit. But the leader of the Labour Party was just completely ineffectual, ran a terrible campaign and lost by like a landslide. Like a lot of um, Labour MPs lost their seats. And it was just really, really sad. Like, because when Tony Blair and Gordon Brown were in power, Labour was like a strong party. Um, It was quite respected. Um, Whereas now Labour was just a bit of a joke. So the Tories have been in power for so long because they had a really ineffective opposition. But now the leader of the Labour Party is um, a guy called Sir Keir Starmer, who um, is an amazing lawyer and was the director of public prosecutions for the UK, which is why he's been knighted so young. Um, Yeah, he is. I love him so much. He is incredible. And he has been so strict on getting like the anti-Semitism out of the party, all of that. And people are feeling very hopeful that at the next general election in, I think, four or five years, hopefully Labour will get in and we can see what happens. So you never know. I hope if Labour get in, we could rejoin. <laughs> but I have no idea how feasible that is. Where did the, where did the power um, leave? Did they Because they had power at one time, the Labour Party. They did. So- and then, so Tony Blair uh, stood down and Gordon okay. Brown, I think... He really, he lost a lot of popularity. So when he came into power, and I think I think it was 1997, it was incredible. Like, they had won over a lot of Conservatives. Um, it was like an amazing election, <laughs> like to the point where my dad has a specially released uh, VHS tape <laughs> election night 1997, because it was such a big change for the country. Um, and like Tony Blair was young, he his motto was education, education, education. He wanted education to be, you know, a university to be for everyone from all classes. He was like, I want 50% of UK people to have a degree when it wasn't like that before. And he was really behind the NHS. Um, but the 9-11, George Bush, Iraq, Afghanistan thing plummeted his popularity. He really really lost his way and um he ended up standing down and Gordon Brown came in who is completely different to Tony Blair like he wasn't as charismatic he's from Scotland he was the um the chancellor of the exchequer a lot more serious very dour um and they had to do a general election when he took over Mm -hmm. and it was against David Cameron who was it against David Cameron Yeah, it was against David Cameron, who was like the new young face of the Conservative Party. And it was a disaster. So it was a hung parliament. Um, So the Conservatives could team up with either Labour or a party called the Liberal Democrats. And the Liberal Democrats, who my family have supported for years, basically turned against all of their supporters and teamed up with the Conservatives. So now there was this um, coalition government Um, that was basically led by the Tories but had the Liberal Democrats in part of it and it was just a disaster from there (laughs) it was just yeah I mean it sounds like bunkies in a zoo (laughs) it is it was just really sad and like it's funny because the leader of 
the Liberal Democrats, Nick Clegg, was very popular and he had sworn as part of his election campaign that he would reduce student tuition fees. So here our fees are not at all like they are in the US, but they have. So for reference, when I went, when I finished university in 2008, I only had to pay £1,100 a year for my tuition. That was it. So my whole degree cost me three, basically £3,000. Now the tuition is £27,000. Yeah. And pretty much because the Conservatives absolutely hiked the costs and Nick Clegg didn't stop them. And it, yeah. That, that's a that's a K twenty hike. <laughs> it's absolutely, that's and huge. the interest is massive. So the interest on my student loan was minimal; like, we wouldn't even notice it. It's not like out in the US, and now it's yeah, an insane amount more money and much higher interest payments. So now, obviously, people are like, "Well, I don't know if I do want to go to university. I don't want to be saddled with this debt when we're and come out in you know what is the world going to be like now for graduates when they come out?" Right. With the point, oh, it's just a disaster. I had Stefan on the podcast. I think he was episode nine. Um, He was telling me that Germany is heading towards making people pay for tuition as well. They're doing the same thing. I just, I just don't know why that is so. That's yeah. It's because in China right now, it's like if you want to go and learn how to be an engineer, like if you want to be a computer engineer, it's free. Wow, it's free. Because they need engineers. Yeah. And it's like, why are we going to saddle somebody with debt when we know we're going to get a top engineer out of this? He's going to come work for the country. He'll be taken care of. Or yeah. I, I shouldn't gender, put a gender on that. They will be taken care of. And life is good. It's funny and, you say that. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. So with the NHS, a lot of nurses come from Europe. And here, if you're a nurse, you, you pretty much work for the NHS. You might work privately, um, but usually you work in the NHS. Mm-hmm. Before, you used to get bursaries. So when my mum trained to be a nurse in the 70s, early 80s, um, you know, she had a bursary. And these happened, I think, till about definitely when I, when I was at uni, the nurses that were training, I'm pretty sure, had bursaries. Conservative government have removed that, so these people now have to pay what twenty seven thousand to go at least. And that's not living cost either. That they're probably paying about fifty thousand pounds to study to be a nurse, to go and work in the NHS, which is so underpaid. It's not like in the US where if you're a nurse you get a good salary. It's you don't really get much money at all. Yeah. But this, so this is happening at the same time as they've changed the immigration rules from EU, so we can't get nurses from the EU because they don't meet so this is what's funny as well under the brexit agreement i don't know if it happened in the final deal um they said that immigrants can only come and live and work in the uk from europe if they earned a set salary and they set the salary above what the nurse what nurses earn (laughs) so they completely shot themselves in the foot it's like there was no forward planning at all (laughs) another example of this that i found bizarre um so when Theresa May was in power towards the end, she did a really big rollout for what you guys call PAP tests and what we call smear tests. So she did like the first national campaign encouraging women to go. But at the same time that it went live with, you know, the marketing campaign, all of that, she decided to cut the number of testing centres. So there was a massive increase of women going to the doctors to have their smear tests. But at the same time, they cut the, re- the testing centres of the test from something like 35 to three. So mm-hmm. suddenly, I shouldn't laugh, 
usually the turnaround time was like seven days for your results it was leading up to about 10 weeks which obviously if you do if it is a bad result you're losing precious time and it's like no it's like no one thought hang on don't do this massive campaign (laughs) I know it's just stuff like that where you just think how on earth are these people like if we did that in our jobs we would be be, yeah 100% or or sued (laughs) yeah 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 I I mean that that truly is that truly had me speechless. I know, just lots of things like that. It, it, I mean, the, the thing is, like, I I fear conservatism because I I grew up in a time in, in the states that was very very conservative here. And yeah. BBC, it's like you can swear. swear. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's interracial uh, couples way before yeah. the states had them, and the states were really really conservative because I got lucky and caught the tail end of. Like I, I grew up very conservative, but yeah. I also like there was a lasting hippie movement that, you know, let's expand our horizons. And, um, you know, the first thing that conservatives go for right at women. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right at them. I mean, that's why people, it's not like, you know, it's like, that's the fear. It's like, are you going to take away my rights? Yeah. Another thing. So, um, you know, endometriosis. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I've heard of it, but it's, on... it, um, it's when like this. It's like the tissue in your uterus, I think, mm-hmm. grows into like scar tissue, and there's no cure for it. And if you have it, I don't have it, but someone I know does. I ca- the pain. It is excruciating, apparently, mm-hmm. and you can have multiple surgeries. Um, it can make you infertile, but it's really difficult to manage. Um, and there is um. There's now a parliamentary or a government inquiry going into, you know, why are women's health problems just brushed aside? Because apparently the amount of time, you know, takes something insane, like eight years of a woman begging her doctor to take her seriously and not just say it's, you know, period pain, for example. So now there's a parliamentary inquiry into, you know, why is uh, people with endometriosis just being um, cast aside? But I was watching this new drama, a Canadian drama a couple of weeks ago called transplant and they did a whole episode on that of like a woman like begging her doctor to be like please take my endometriosis seriously and a male doctor um you know really brushing her off brushing her off but then one young female doctor being like I will fight for you and we'll get you the treatment that you need and I thought that's really interesting that the tide's turning a bit now in that problems like endometriosis are more under the spotlight and hopefully these poor people that have it are going to get better treatment because it's really like debilitating. How's your friend holding up with, with it? She's okay. She's um she's having IVF because you can't really get pregnant naturally. But I mean that's a whole other ball game. Some women can. I should correct myself. Some people can get pregnant naturally with endometriosis, but um, sometimes you do struggle. Um, but the IVF is like a whole other thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, but. Um... What, so what I want to get back to, why did uh, Theresa May quit? Why did she quit? Because she couldn't get a Brexit deal done. She kept going to Europe um, and she just couldn't get a deal approved. Um, and people said she was a bad negotiator. She, she is, to be honest, a strange person. She is. She's, <laughs> she is. Um, she, I think she almost admits it herself. And she, so she kept going to Brussels to get a Brexit deal um, and then she'd bring it back to Parliament here to get voted upon and it was always getting voted down and it just got 
I think she just got to the end of her tether really like it wasn't working for anyone <laughs> um, and so she quit and I think I think she should have quit earlier because I don't know how on earth she survived in that job like mental health wise I can't even imagine it it was all it looked awful <laughs> I mean I sometimes every now and then when I need a good laugh I I, um, I watch parliament in action <laughs> you know yeah. It's almost like talking over each other. Oh, it's so, and the shouting. The shouting and everything. And, and then you got the, the, the sergeant in arms who everyone does listen to for like yeah. a good three speaker minutes. Speaker of the then, house, yeah. Yeah, speaker of the house there. Yeah. And they shout over again and over oh. and over and over. But it's like, oh. It's awful. I just thought, I really hope that she, I really don't like her at all. She was our home secretary for ages and she has a shocking record and human rights but when she quit I really? did like, yeah I did think please go and have a nice spa day yeah go and have a gin and tonic because how on earth she did that job I don't know wow yeah and so it seemed like she didn't was not only not qualified but didn't, didn't have the personality to hold that, that kind of position yeah she just it's just very strange I should do so there's a really awful thing that happened here I don't know if you heard about the Grenfell fire where I think over 100 people lost their lives and yeah. it was awful it was so sad and she she didn't even bother to go and visit any of the survivors you know you had like the queen going prince william going adele and theresa may just went and met like the firemen and that was it she, she didn't go and talk to the people that survived and who'd lost their children and their parents like she always had this like she just would make all these bizarre mistakes and her advisors i'm like what were you telling her like she just was not in touch with the common people at all. All stuff like that. I mean, yeah. just like what we say here in the States, was she like a stuffy person? She, yeah. And she just was a real, I feel like oh, this is a bit kind. I don't want to say geek because that sounds really bad because I'm a geek and I like geeks. But she was just weird. Yeah. She, like you would never imagine her ever in the pub with her friends having wine. Like, I think when she was running for re-election against Jeremy Corbyn in the general election and they were like, oh, what's what's the naughtiest thing you ever did as a teenager or something like that? Just trying to, literally just trying to get the human side of her out. And she said, oh, I once ran through a field of wheat. And people were like, what? And she was like, it's just like, she never would say, oh, I just want to go and sit with my friends and have a bottle of wine. She was just a very strange person. <laughs> you know, I've, I, I gotta say, I've, I've met people like that. I've, I've met, when I was taking an acting class, this, um, and she, really sweet, really sweet young woman. We all had to describe like one thing that, that got us, you know, excited, like a really exciting event. So one guy told his story, I told mine, and then it was this woman's turn. And her most exciting thing was to ride in a convertible with um, the bubble, the bubble uh, thing where you blow into the bubble thing and it makes these little bubbles like, and they yeah. get up in the air and watch bubbles come out of it. Like that was her most exciting thing. And I thought, oh, Jesus, oh, God. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, she needs something, <laughs> you know, she needs yeah. or something, but. Yeah. But something that I did respect Theresa May for, though, is when she was running for leadership of the Conservative Party, she was up against this woman called Andrea Leadsom. 
And so Theresa May could never have children, um, her and her husband. And Andrea Leadsom said that Theresa May shouldn't be the prime minister or leader of the party because she doesn't have children. So she doesn't really, she doesn't care about the world in the way that like mothers do, which is just shocking. And she rightly so (laughs) lost and got absolutely raked over the coals. How, how, How nasty is that? It's just, it's not true for a start. And it's just very, very mean to say that about someone. Uh, Yeah. uh, I mean, but I mean, so explain these elections. Is it like we have elections every four years? You guys seem to have them. Yeah, you can call one basically, it seems, at any time. They're meant to be, I swear they were every four years, but I think now the term is five years, which I think the Conservatives changed. But it has been very volatile recently because when um, there's a new leader of the party in power, it's kind of it's best that you have a general election to kind of get the country's backing. So that happened when David Cameron left after Brexit. There was a general election um, when Theresa May became leader. But then there were two more and I can't remember what they were. One was just over a year ago when Boris Johnson became leader took over Theresa May. But I think there was another one when it was Theresa May versus Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> it was, again, a disaster. <laughs> like, we've had a lot. There's yeah. a meme that they asked, the BBC asked this lady who was about 80 walking down the street in Yorkshire somewhere, I think. And they said, oh, have you heard we're having another general election? And she just went, not another one, and screeched. And that's exactly how everyone thought. Because, <laughs> wow. yeah, lots. Yeah, it's not like there. Is it always, it has to be every four years? Like you couldn't every have four years. a shotgun election? No. Okay. I mean, you can have a president retire. You can, or not retire, but uh, resign. Uh, you can have a president be impeached. You, you know, yeah. But it's, it's the last time that a president left, quote, you know, early was Nixon. Yeah. Uh, Nixon left, I think, two years into his presidency and then um, Ford took over. Yeah. Um, where Ford would have won the next, the next election was he, he pardoned Nixon. He, he he would have won that if he if he didn't do that, but he had okay. no choice. He had to do it. He had yeah. to pardon Nixon. Yeah. Um, so, but that's the last time. But yeah, every four years. Yeah. But yeah, it was for many people. It was a shock when when Trump got elected. Oh God. For myself included. What, how was it for you guys across the pond? I was in, living in Toronto at the time, and I found it. I was oh my God! I was so shocked. Just because Brexit had happened, what, four months before? Five months before? And I thought, surely they won't. They're like, they won't. But it's funny because I really like Hillary Clinton, but I can see why she's not so well liked. And I do think, I remember thinking like, because obviously Trump had Make America Great Again, which speaks to a certain type of person. And as I work in marketing, I think, yeah, that's really catchy that I can definitely see that that galvanized a lot of people but Hillary Clinton had I think I'm with her and I just think she would with that slogan she was only speaking to people that were already going to vote for her they weren't talk. she would no way was that slogan I'm with her talking to the people that Trump eventually spoke to and voted for him I did think her mm. campaign was a bit strange yeah, yeah. but yeah tri- was- like tribal yeah it was just like why are you only really working on the people that you know are going to vote for you like you mm-hmm. should be working on the people that are swing voters or that you need to win over. Um, but I thought it was absolutely insane. Yeah, very sad. 
I also didn't think he'd last about that long at all. I thought he'd be out in six months. I thought something would happen, but he clung on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought it was a joke that the reason why he got elected was like, yeah, I'm going to see if I can do it to kind of... Yes! Oh, that documentary on Netflix, I think, 11-9. Well, I didn't realise that he ran as a joke. I was shocked the next morning. I, I just I woke up and it's like he won. And what's funny, again, it was kind of a deja vu because when I woke up the first time he got elected in 2016, I was living in Denver and I saw that he was president. And I thought, this has got to be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so the night of the election, I woke up at two in the morning and, you know, because I had the elections live on, the, on my computer and there he was, his exception speech for winning the presidency. Yes. It's like, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> He got elected again, and I was like smacking my head. I was like, what the hell? How am I going to yeah. do this? And uh, yeah, I was just like, and then come to find out that wasn't the case. He kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you do with somebody that narcissistic? What do you do with somebody that is so obsessive? Did, did you guys ever have a Trump or, or is Boris Johnson your Trump? Boris Johnson's the closest. Boris Johnson, though, part of his, he's quite charming. That's the issue. Um, he, yeah. I mean, he's a mass, he's a complete liar. He got fired from his job as a journalist. Um, he's got an insane number of illegitimate children. Um, he cheated on his, so he's now engaged to who, who will be his third wife, but he cheated on Marina Wheeler, who is an amazing lawyer, who was the mother of a lot of his children. He was with her for ages, like when she had cancer. And he's, his fiance is now like a 32 year old woman. Um, and he's got another baby with her. Um, but he's just, he's just so entitled. Like he's from the establishment, like his dad's famous. Um, they're very posh. So class is like a whole other thing here. And he's mm -hmm. from upper class. Um, but he just, you know, this is the thing that, pe that people really, it's really hard to explain about Boris Johnson is that it's almost like Trump, the people that Boris hates love him. Like Boris has looks down on like the working class so much you know mm. but he's also really managed to whip them up about brexit and you know they think that he supports them but he doesn't you know like he's cut the services that working class people need like the nhs because they obviously private healthcare here is instead like it's not like out in the us i like, hear everyone uses the nhs unless you're insanely rich um <laughs> He's cutting like education. He doesn't. It's so strange that the people, a lot of the people that vote for him, he like actively despises and makes mm -hmm. no. You know, he said racist things. He said recently, right. just a terrible person. What, what did he say that was racist? He called. Um, oh my god, what did he say? This was about three years ago. Was it a mug? I can't remember what it was. I don't even think I know the word because I'd never use it. But it was awful. He said some shocking things about Africa and stuff like that. Yeah, it sounds I have like to Trump. find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, wow. yeah. God damn! It's like you know, not only is England suffering from a bad leader, America's suffering from a bad leader, and it's like how the like how do we get ourselves in this situation? Like, what, what what do we do to put ourselves in this situation? What I, I don't know. Know, do we do? We give power? Do we give power over? unconditionally so we we don't have the freedom to choose yeah you know because that it, what was the thing it was a study done in harvard where they gave more choices to people and made them more stressed and the I less choice that. yeah yeah 
and the, the fewer choices, it was less. It was a lot less stressful. Yeah, apparently that's why younger people today are so stressed because they have too many choices, which makes I, sense. I agree. I mean, yeah, to sense. eat or have your phone, it's like that was not a choice <laughs> when I was growing up. It was like you know, I can go up just knock on the get a stick and knock on the tree, and people are going to understand that it's Morse code or something. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to need it now. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but what are what was the situation like for you living in London? In general or? Pre-COVID and Pre-COVID. Le- leading up to yeah. COVID. Because I, I heard there was, a, there was no, you couldn't buy a knife uh, because the mayor of London actually is pretty bad at, from, what I, from what I read. The attacks are pretty bad on people. Yeah, there's a big um, problem with knife crime. And funny <laughs> enough that you asked that question actually because about two years ago, I walked to my local tube station, which was five minutes walk down the road on a Sunday afternoon. And um, I was two, probably... Two meaning the subway for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears> I was <throat> probably one of... I walked in and I had my headphones on and then mm. I heard all this noise and they shut down the barriers behind me. And I turned around and about three metres away was a black schoolboy maybe like 15 who'd been stabbed like blood everywhere the police were running it was insane it was so sad like there is a massive problem with um knife crime and um the fact that drug gangs are using teenagers and like they call it like a county lines war to basically smuggle the drugs and it's awful it's really to see it in that close and that real was insane Mm. yeah so knife crime is definitely very, very serious. Yeah, and yeah. It, it just with any knife that they can get, it's a when they catch the person, or sometimes makeshift knives are made. I think some are makeshift. Yeah. Before I got injured, I was getting my belt ranking in um, from a guy named Andy Norman. Okay. He, he came up with a, a martial arts system called the Defense Lab, or or his Casey Fighting Method at one point, and I got my belt ranking with him. And he was saying that London was considering giving the police back uh, handguns because oh, of, wow. the, of the knife crime situation. Yeah. Um, because the knives have gotten, the knife situation has gotten terribly bad. Yeah. He said at one point, one of the police officers were telling him that somebody made a knife out of three blades. Oh my God. And they would cut people, slash them in the face. And so it'd be nearly impossible to, you know, you could, you could sew up one side, you can, sew that up but to get both at the same time it would just leave this nasty scar in their face oh my god yeah what you just said actually just reminded me of something that shows how unbelievable our government is so with the knife crime it's mainly um black teenagers from like lower social economic classes and I don't even know how to explain this correctly because it's so awful that the government did this. The government did an anti-knife crime campaign about two years ago in chicken shops where they, because they were like black people will go to chicken shops and they literally gave out like boxes of chicken that had, and I can't believe some of the chicken shops did this either. Um, where it would have like on the box of chicken, like all this anti-knife crime. It was so weird. It was the most backward racist thing ever. Yeah. That would not go over well here in the States. <laughs> I'm not, oh God, it was awful. Yeah. I completely forgot about that until you said, again, it's like another misguided thing. So in 
so in lockdown they the furlough scheme that they've done has been really good for a lot of industries but they've really they've really ruined the arts theater all of that they've given no support at all and it's devastating Mm. so they decided to run a campaign i have to show you it's like a spoof but it's not where they had um they'd have like a picture of an actress or a dancer or something like that um like on stage or in a ballet studio and it would say for example say it was an actor it would say chris used to be an actor his future is in it'd be something like cybersecurity. he just doesn't know it yet and they were basically saying retrain you'll never get your your career back i'll have to send you a link after it it was so awful yeah and also what i think is crazy is that the, like film for exact and tv and podcasts and music is what have got people through this lockdown anyway like yeah. we're all turning to artists to get us through it but they've had no support at all from the government it's so so sad yeah it, that wasn't the case before though right because if you wanted to be an actor you you did get support or, or it was free training or something i don't know i'm not really in that world so i don't know but yeah like obviously like london is like London and you know obviously Broadway as well it's like the home of theatre like we're very proud of our theatre and culture and it was really frustrating because a lot of people were like saying to the government you have got to help these artists and theatre companies and they just didn't at all oh another thing that I really wanted to bring up that shows again the government being crazy so in August when the country kind of opened up again and they 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 really wanted to encourage people to go out and eat and drink so they came up with this scheme called eat out to help out where on mondays tuesdays and wednesdays you could go to any restaurant and get like 10 pounds of free food Mm -hmm. um so obviously people were doing it and loads of restaurants did it for even longer and were doing stuff like half price alcohol so Mm -hmm. younger people especially were having the time of their lives basically Um, and they did it for the whole month of august and the purpose was to stimulate the economy again. But obviously, mm-hmm. yes, it did that. But it, the cases literally went like this and have caused all the issues now. <laughs> like, they just do such bizarre things, very short term. It's like they can't see long term at all <laughs> or even medium term. <laughs> My God. I mean, the thing is, we, when Bill Maher, I think it was Bill Maher that said it, like when an English accent is present, everybody stops and pays attention. Like there could be a 10 people in that room having an argument about something, but the inte- but when somebody with English accent, because it, it, it was represented intelligence, somebody with rational thought thinking, I, I guess I can chuck that out the window. <laughs> yes. There are lots of funny memes that make English people laugh where it says like what Americans think the British are like. And then it's like what British are actually like. Cause we're not yeah. like that at all. Like yeah. we're not Hugh Grant or anything like that, you know? Um, yeah, so that makes me laugh that you say that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm generalizing, of course, but it, it, it's but some people th- do think that. I bet I've been in cases where really attractive women were or after this ugly, ugly Britisher <laughs> because he had he had the British accent. And yeah, but did he have the British teeth? Because we have very bad teeth. Ha- oh, he had the British teeth. <laughs> He had the British teeth. I mean, my teeth at the time were not attractive, but man, I, I definitely outshined him. He got good yeah. teeth. No. Yeah. Oh, I don't like my teeth at all. I had braces as well, but yeah. um, I know I don't like my teeth. Whenever I see Americans' teeth, I get very envious. Is it, why do, okay, let's go the stereotype of British having bad teeth because of the <laughs> bad, bad de- dental care there? Or? D- 
dental used to be under the NHS till maybe 15 or 20 years ago. And now you, you can get dental care on the NHS, but it's mostly private now. So that meant a lot of people haven't been going to the dentist or anything like that. <laughs> but I don't think that's it. I don't know what it is. I know we don't have, do you have fluoride in your water? Some places do. I, I don't yeah. agree with having fluoride in the water. Yeah, we don't, um, which is why they're not very white. Um, but I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's definitely true. It's a very true. It's a stereotype for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I should, you know, my, my friend's, uh, my friend Borges is a dentist, so I should tell him to go to England. He'll make a lot of money. Or Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but he likes Arsenal, though. That's the thing. I don't know how well he would. He would get get along with uh, people in uh, in South London. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but what's the healthcare situation like over in in uh, England? Uh, it's a source of like national pride and sadness. So we are very proud of our NHS. It was founded after World War Two, um, like free healthcare for all. So you don't pay for anything. So you you pay for like a prescription but if I wanted to go to the doctor or the hospital like not a penny would would change hands but if the if I went to the doctor for free and they said you've got a chest infection you need some antibiotics I would pay I think nine pounds for the antibiotics so the medicine you you pay for um unless you have like a chronic condition so someone with diabetes for example gets everything for free and a lot of other and I think asthma stuff like that but if you don't have a chronic condition you would pay maybe like not like I would say that I spend maybe like 30 pounds a year on health if I need medicine or something so it's all free um and it's definitely like a source of pride like we are really proud of it but the um current government has really underfunded it and they bought in a lot of private firms to do a lot of the services which is really worrying. And they actually, a couple of weeks ago, voted in Parliament that certain parts of the NHS could be put up for sale, which is just goes against why it was founded. What? And it's the biggest employer in the UK, the NHS. It employs an insane amount of people. So it's funny, like, we're all very worried about the future of it. And we're really, really proud of the doctors and the nurses and all the staff in COVID, because it's not like... So here, for example, say I became a senior doctor, I'd been working for maybe 15 years after graduating, I was what's known as a consultant, Mm -hmm. I would probably earn about Mm 75,000 at the most, whereas I've spoken to some people in America who if you're a successful doctor there, you can earn crazy amounts. It's, it's yes and no. Um, there's a guy I listen to quite a bit when it comes because now, now after 52 years in this planet, I'm thinking seriously about my funds now, my money and situation. Um, goes to show you how thick in the head I can get. Um, I do. You, I can't believe you're 52. You look so much younger. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I thought you were about 40. Oh, thank you. Uh, his name is Dave Ramsey. Okay. And he was, I just listened to him this morning and it's, it's, it's about money. He's really good when it comes to money and how you should manage it and stuff. They're like he and Susie Orman are, are my two favorites. As oh far yeah. As people I've heard of her. Yeah. She's fantastic. And she, she really was, uh, I recommend her book, women, women, money. That's another okay. good book. Um, yeah. She, so he, he had a caller that said that he was, he just got, or he became a doctor 
So he's expected to make about $250,000. Right. But he's in debt a million dollars. From studying or? From studying. <gasps> oh, my God. I can't fathom that. Yeah. So that's the situation here in the States. And that's why wow. when you told me about 20, 27,000 to get a degree, it's like, yeah, you can be in the hole for a lot of money just to get an education here in the States. Do you think Biden will change it? The rumor, I don't think he's going to change much of anything. I think he's going to start doing a little bit of things here and there, but his worry is getting reelected. So he's going to do just enough. And I think he's kind of giving Bernie Sanders part of the reign, you know, because he made him, I think, in charge of finance. Like he, he decides where money gets spent and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope he, you know, he follows through on his promises, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But um, the rumor is that he is going to forgive up to 20,000. Like you okay. can, you, yeah, you can write off 20,000 in debt. So that, you know, I attempted to go to college a few times, didn't work out. So I'm, I'm at 14,000 with that right now, paying it off. Um, but that should, that should yeah, cover that'd me. Good. That'd be yeah. good for me because I say bye-bye to all that, all that crazy debt. And, and after that, I, I think I've got like a thousand in debt and I'm all set. Yeah, That's good. Um, so yeah, I, I hope he does, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so what was your, what was life like in Toronto? Toronto, I, I loved it. So funny enough, I wanted, I loved Canada because I'd been there before. Um, but I originally wanted to go and work in New York, like all English people do, but mm. it's impossible to get, um, to get visas. So I got a, I think the time I went, I just turned 28 and because I was under 30, I could get like a working visa for Canada. So mm. I went there because I'd been to Toronto and loved it. Um, and I absolutely, I adored it. Funny enough, until I didn't. Like, <laughs> I, really? I became permanent resident. I thought I'd be there forever. And then um, I suddenly, very randomly, three years in, became so homesick. And I thought, oh, this will pass, like a homesickness when you live abroad, like comes in waves. And I just thought, oh, this will definitely pass. But it didn't. And it just kept, it just stayed. Um, and I think it was because I'd moved jobs and I hated the new job. I left for the money and it was just so soul destroying. I hated it so much. It was just really awful. What um, was the job? It was being a technical writer for a company called SNC Lavalin, which is like a huge... Uh, construction oil and gas kind of company um but it was very I found it really strange because it was very cubicle based like I had a cubicle which I found bizarre don't have that in England um and I didn't have it at my last place before this job mm -hmm. um and my boss well, funny enough was was remote so I was in the office but he was in another office and I found that there was no one else in my team in the same office so I just found it so bizarre and it was just the culture was so odd and it didn't gel with me at all. Uh, my my boss's boss was lovely. I really liked her. When I said to her, because I was only there about four months, and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I feel awful that I'm going to hand you my notice. I said, but I've decided to move back to the UK. And she was like, I get it. And we spoke about why. And she was like, I completely understand. She was like, I've been in that situation before. And she was like, please stay working here until you're ready to move back, which was really lucky because I thought, oh, she's just going to cut me off and I'll have no job. Mm. Um so I came back to England, but it was funny because although I was really homesick, I wasn't homesick for London. 
I was actually really anxious about coming back to London because it's so big and it's so sprawling and it's known as a very lonely city, whereas mm-hmm. Toronto is much smaller. And so I was really anxious about moving back to London. And it was very weird because I knew I didn't want to be in Canada anymore, but I didn't know that I wanted to be in the UK. I just knew that I didn't want to be in Canada anymore. So it was definitely a very weird time in my life. And then I came back here um, and it was really hard to settle back in. I felt I felt very out of sorts. But then I did settle in and I, I loved it. Yeah, I fell back in love with London, which was nice. <laughs> And took what, me a bit by surprise. What, what do you love about London? It's so, it is a lot of fun. I think because of the pub culture, um, working in London is really fun because there is a very big um, like after work social scene. You become very close to colleagues. Um, going out is really important. And that's something that I noticed in Canada is that you don't really socialise with colleagues. Like, there you wouldn't really go to the pub with them after work like in Europe people do that a lot um, and it's like a big part of life so I loved that and it's it's so beautiful like I forgot how beautiful some of the architecture is and the history and I really like that in the UK all museums and galleries are free and you don't have to pay to go to see incredible art like the National Gallery is one of my favourites and I can go in when I've got like a spare hour between meeting friends and going to see like some of the best art in the world for free. I mm. love that. And I just, yeah, it's just, it is a very fun city, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And where, um, because I want to, I, I don't, I highly doubt it's going to happen, but I, I want to come to, to Europe uh, yeah. when the uh, Euro cup. Oh yes. Here. Yeah. I want to come and, and do that. And, what we where in your opinion in London where I get the best fish and chips? If I if oh my god, the best fish and chips. Yeah, the best I ever had actually was in a place called West Dulwich, which is south of the river, and it's a really random one. I think it's called Ken's. Is it Ken's? I can't remember. I'm going to have to check the name. Oh my god, but I loved it. That was definitely my favourite. It's funny. I love fish and chips so much. I was just talking about them yesterday to someone mm. at work. Yeah, but you can get them in a lot of places. Um, I missed that when I was in Canada. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I love, I miss fish and chips. I mean, I've gotten a couple of good, good, good ones around here, but not like that you guys have in the UK. Yeah, I think it's the chips. They're like, they're quite mm. funny and they're a lot fatter and they're not like fries. Do you eat them with ketchup or mayonnaise? Mainly ketchup. Sometimes mm-hmm. with mayonnaise, but obviously with lo- lots and lots of vinegar yeah that's the main bit yeah yeah i love yeah. my vinegar no I, yeah. that's that's why i'm looking forward to like please open up london please open up london yeah for sure but um so during the uh dur- during the um the first lockdown um or it was approaching during lockdown i, w- I was told that mcdonald's had lines up to eight hours <laughs> I think they did. I don't know. I think they were eight hours, but I did see a lot of lines. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever friends would drive past and they'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. Because they shut what them. Did they what? Really they shut all of them. Yeah. Yeah. But what, why, why the long lines? Why? People love McDonald's. I can't describe it. They I, love it. I don't get They I, love I, it I, as much out there. Here, they, oh. I, I saw I saw a ton of McDonald's when I was in France. I was surprised. Oh yeah! Oh no! Massive. We love McDonald's here. 
Yeah, but isn't it cheap my meat? Might, might go tomorrow because we're so bored in lockdown. <laughs> we were like, let's let's go to McDonald's and treat ourselves to a, li- a little drive through. I, I don't know, but do they have? Is it supposed to be one hundred percent organic meat there? Oh or? God, no! Everyone knows that it's all that McDonald's is all like rubbish. But it's still loved. Loved. Loved by I'd say everyone. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, I I now that now that I know. Well, here's the here's the mistake in the vampire's heart. Um, I was in Denver at one point because they, the McDonald's has a huge factory like in, like two hours north. And I think okay. it's in Greeley. Yeah, it's in Greeley. And I thought that I forgot who was with me. I thought that they farted, <laughs> and I, I thought, Jesus Christ, man, that fucking stinks. Yeah. You know? And so I, I just, you know, I, I think, I think it was Salome. I think, it, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, that's what it was. When I was with Salome, is that you? And she's like, no, I thought that was you. <laughs> you know? And so we go back to her friend's place, and she said, "Oh, that's that's uh, methane from Greeley. There are so many oh. cows. Oh my god, that Greeley, is heartbreaking. Up in Greeley, that they let out so much methane." that it actually covers the entire city of Denver in, in this methane smell. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's how potent and then that's how many cows yeah. there. Oh, God. Yeah. I know, Joe. I, I really want to watch Cowspiracy, the documentary, but I can't bring myself to. Yeah. And, and I and should. So, so from that point, you know, from, from like 2000, I didn't step into McDonald's. When I was working at the um, dispensary in Massachusetts, I decided, you know what? I haven't been in here in a while. I want to try the fries. Yeah. And so I ordered the fries. Some, you know, respectable person, you know, takes my money and stuff like that. And I believe it was the manager came over with a bag of fries. What little hair was on top of his head did not look like it was washed in months. (laughs) And I... You know, thanked him for the fries and everything. Walked out, and I found, you know, looking for a garbage can, and I dumped it right in there. I, it's like, uh, no, no, thank you. I, I mean, I'm never going to enjoy McDonald's again. Good, good. I know, (laughs) but uh, no, it's it's it was really weird when I was telling people that there were long lines at McDonald's, but there's an obsession with this this company. Then, oh yeah, it's um, it's iconic. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we really love it <laughs> i mean how about five guys have you have you had five guys burgers i think i have one we've got a few out here now but you do it's nice but it's not it's funny because i think people would rather go somewhere like mcdonald's or i would rather go somewhere like mcdonald's or somewhere with like amazing burgers whereas five guys to me i'm just like i don't know oh i, yeah. I love five guys I love but maybe them. Or maybe I'm thinking of Shake Shack. Maybe I haven't had Five Guys. I do remember being disappointed at Shake Shack. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little, I mean, yeah, it's a little disappointing. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, is this it? Okay, I'll have to retry Five Guys. Yeah, yeah. you got to try them. I yeah. love it. Double cheese. Okay. Double cheese, double patty. Get it with the whole works. Yeah. Including the onions, everything on there. It's, I think it sciences all the way. So they oh, put God, I'm starving it. now. My stomach is crumbling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just have a few more questions for you. you, you of course. I, I heard that from you, and then I looked into it, 
that Marcus Rashford has come and saved the day yes. for a lot of kids. Yes, amazing man. And he and he's a Man United he uh, player. Not, he is now a national treasure. Yeah, because he stepped in for the kids. Yeah, the conservative he, party said no, right? They are just. So what happened was there's like a free school meals scheme here. I don't know if I'm going to get all the details right, but when the kids are in school, they get free meals if, mm-hmm. if they qualify for the program or the scheme. And then there was something like, I think in the school holidays, the government was going to stop it so that, you know, basically kids were going to go really, really hungry. And a lot of jobs have been lost because of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it was really, really worrying. Um, And so Marcus Rashford started a campaign um, to get them reinstated in the school holidays and basically forced the government to do a massive U-turn. It like really, really took off. Um, And they said they committed that they would do it like for a while. And I think at that time they gave like £30 a week, I think, per child to the parents to, to buy food. But then something happened a couple of weeks ago, which was shocking, where they decided that they wouldn't give the parents money to spend on groceries themselves. And again, this is classic conservative in case they spent it on alcohol and cigarettes. So they instead hired, I know it's just so degrading and awful. So instead they hired a food company to send food parcels, basically that were the, that were meant to be 30 pounds worth of food for a week. And the parcels, Chris, I cannot describe you they were just awful mm. they worked out that the food in it came to like five pounds at the local supermarket and the company was making was keeping the other 25 pounds basically oh, it was absolutely insane i'm gonna have to send some pictures to you like people were posting them on twitter of what they'd received and it was stuff like half an onion two apples a loaf of bread and like a tin of soup like how what? is that gonna feed a child for like it was just it's so awful. And again, Marcus Rashford was like, what on earth is going on here? And Boris Johnson was like, I'll look into it, I'll look into it. Um, but he's basically, he is amazing. And he's also, what I love is that he started a book club because um, he loves reading. Um, mm. And he was like, you know, education is so important, not just like empower you and learn, but to see, like to have compassion and to see that other people go through the same thing and um, stuff like that. And I, oh, I love him so much. He's, so, and he's so young. He's like 23, like I think. It sounds like your soulmate. <laughs> he's just, yeah. no, he's just um, like all football fans love him as well. Yeah. And he's just great. And his mum's great. She's been in a lot of the campaigns as well, um, which is good. Wait, yeah. how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I am 34. God, I thought, uh, <laughs> I, I, when you said he's so young, he's 22. And I thought, you look 22. No, I don't. I think it's the lighting. I don't. <laughs> All right. You look young. That's Thank right. you. So do you. <laughs> um, so has, has they stepped in and now he's helping out. He's, he's bringing food to everybody. and Yeah, he's basically forced the government to do U-turns and to sort their act out. Um, but from what I understand, they only commit to, you know, kind of immediate changes, not long-term changes. So I think that's his end goal to make sure they don't just step in and provide whatever food or vouchers that they do provide in the short term, but to do it more long term as well. I mean, they could just easily say, like, we'll give you a voucher, 
but you can't spend it on cigarettes and alcohol. And that's part of the deal. It's like the, yeah, like the, unless of course that's what the grocery store does. Um, yeah. But I mean, if, I mean, all this, all this in, in the name of helping is really to do more harm, <laughs> you know? I mean, please don't help me, you know? Yeah. They, they used to have a program where uh, my stepdad was an EMT. He helped the people yeah. in, in accidents and stuff. So his sole job, what he was trained to do, was just to pick the person up, put them on the, on the gurney, and then put them in the, in the ambulance, strap them in, they don't fall out. Yeah, but they found they found that most cases that they, there's more harm done at the accident site than there. I the, agree. Yeah, because if they if the person's neck is broke and and they lift their head up and stuff, they just made it worse. Yeah, good point. So that's what I kind of see what happening is is going on in England. It's like there's more harm than than help. Like they spent yeah. all this money and got nothing out of it. Oh no, they're just oh. yeah, <laughs> it is strange. It's I mean, really depressing. It's your money. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It's your money. It's your parents' money. It's your you know, siblings. It's it's your 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 friends at Crystal Palace, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's all their money going to this stuff. And it's like I they're know. in charge. And it's scary. It is scary. So it's just been the deadline for uh, if you're self-employed to send back your tax return. And I'm not self-employed, but I saw all these tweets on Twitter being like, I wouldn't mind sending my tax or paying my tax bill you know, if I knew that it was going to a government that was taking the pandemic seriously, that they were, you know, fair and they weren't liars and just, oh. And I thought, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> it's really galling. <laughs> I mean, I think they're just, they're, you know, they're here in the States and it sounds like in, in England, they're just counting on us not doing anything about it. Yeah. Like you got the, you got the morons who stormed the Capitol and it's like, oh, well, we're going to do something. Like, well, I mean, and then you have people who are actually, you got to, like, things take time. They need, they need to change. You need to actually put in the work to change things. Yeah, yeah. So, but, like, did you see this? Did you see the capital raids? Yeah. I found it really, it made me feel really unsafe, and I'm not in America. I yeah. thought, oh, my God, this is so weird. Like, what a, that's so bizarre, isn't it? I, I, feel, I have a feeling that once I do come to Europe, I'm going to have to wear a shirt. No, I was not at the capital riots. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, um, how am I going to be viewed from people in, in England and in, in Europe and stuff like that? Like, I think as they... long as you say you hate Trump, they'll love you. Really? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I feel I do feel bad for like the sentiment towards America was so much more positive under Obama. Mm. And I think people have definitely been quite rude about America under Trump. But, you know, now people really like Biden and... I feel like the goodwill is returning. <laughs> we need something. <laughs> Some yeah. sort of goodwill. Yeah. Just shooting ourselves in the foot over and over. And yeah, over. exactly. Um, so what, what has it been like living with your parents? I found, I actually found it quite nice. So my parents are divorced. They split up when I was three, but they're very good friends. Um, so it's my mum here. And because she's in like the middle of this beautiful countryside, it actually felt really nice. I thought, but I thought when I was going to, because what I did was when lockdown happened last March, I thought I'm going to go crazy in the mm. next two weeks, like trying to work in my bedroom. So I was like, I'll go and stay with my mum for two weeks. That's what I thought lockdown would be when we didn't know what coronavirus was. And then I didn't end up going back to London till August. So mm. I, we had the first time in my adult life, I think like five months with her. Um and it was really nice for me to be here with her when she was, you know, running the nursing home when it was just 
so stressful like so you know there were nursing homes where like 30 residents were dying of covid Mm. it was just awful and it was so stressful for her so it was really nice to be here and I actually felt really grateful that you know no other time would I in my adult life get to spend as much time with my mum as an adult and it Mm. was really really nice we're very close anyway but um yeah I felt really grateful it's been good Mm. and nice to be in nature for sure you know, it's funny when somebody tells me that um, they can talk or spend time with their mom, I, I look at them as like, uh, you're worth more than a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because, I mean, my mom passed uh, three years ago, it'll be four years in, in uh, Halloween. Yeah. And the biggest thing about missing mom is not being able to call. I bet. My boyfriend, yeah. his mom died about like 10 years ago. And he's like, you have no idea how lucky you are to be able to ring your mom and be like, yeah, he's like, you should never take it for granted. Like, if I'm ever like, ah. I mean, you're lucky. You're very lucky to have yeah. this moment at this time. Yeah, I'm very lucky. That's why I tell him, yeah. Um, so England and Americans have different sayings. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you apologized for being a spanner last week. Did I? Yeah. A spanner? Yeah. You said, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm being a spanner. Oh my god, I don't remember saying that. I don't know what that means, Chris. A you spanner. don't? Really? I don't know. We do have very different sayings. Maybe I've lost my mind. Um, no, spanner is being... somebody who's like a foolish or it's a wrench. A wrench, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A spanner is a wrench, yeah. Yeah. But, so... oh, a Some people do say don't be a spanner. Maybe I did say it. I must have done. Yeah. But there's um, <laughs> anyway. there's also uh, um God, what's the other one? Tosser. Tosser, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like a um, somebody who plays with themselves, right? Yeah, I'd say it means. I guess it's couldn't have like a jerk, but it, I do find that you're much more likely here to call someone posh a tosser. You wouldn't call someone middle class or something like a tosser. Really, it'd be like a posh person who like went to Eton and Oxford. You've like such a tosser oh, or really? a prick. Yeah. Okay. All right, we got pricks in common. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Bollocks. Bollocks, yeah. What, what is that? Bollocks is... So it's funny. So bollocks can be like a swear word, like a load of bollocks. Like if someone's talking bollocks, it, it, it means they're lying. But okay. if you say someone is the dog's bollocks, that means they're like the best thing ever. <laughs> so. Oh. So, so it's, a bit, it's a bit of a split. <laughs> so it's kind of like our, our word for uh, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So bullshit could be, ah, oh, you're full of shit. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Or someone won the lottery. Oh, bullshit. Really? That's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. It can go, yeah, it can go either way. Yeah. So, um, so sure. you have a trolley is a truck. Charlie is a truck? Yeah. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, trolley, yeah. So that you guys, because that's what it is, right? Trolley, something that's... Oh, a trolley! I thought we said Charlie. <coughs> no, sorry, I trolley. Thought, I thought I'd never heard that. Trolley, no. yeah, trolley. Yeah. yeah. Um, trolley. So what, are the, what other sayings do you guys have? Other... Obviously, we have lift and... We don't say elevator, we say lift. What else? Crisp. Um, crisp, which is crisp. like chips. Yeah. yeah. And flat is apartment. Flat is apartment, um, like the boot of the car and the bonnet instead of 
the trunk and the hood. So we'd say, I'm going to lift the bonnet up, not mm. not pop the hood or whatever Stop you guys say. And okay. we'd say, I'll put it in the boot of the car, not the trunk. Boot, put it in the boot. And then there's Cockney rhyming slang, which is a whole other thing. A whole other language, um, which I don't know, apart from like the ones that are popular. But if you're like East End, there's loads. Like you would say, say you were going for a curry. Someone might say, I'm going for a ruby, mm-hmm. which stands for Ruby Murray curry. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or like dog and bone for phone, apples and pears for stairs. There's loads. Absolutely mm-hmm. loads. Yeah. And so sometimes people who are from like East End or London would use it, but I wouldn't because I don't know much about it <laughs> i probably get it all wrong so what what is london i mean here east end london south london what what is what are the differences in neighborhoods and the people west and southwest is traditionally really posh so like kensington chelsea like where harrods is um traditionally very posh east used to be like the craze and gangsters um but it's now very like hipster. Mm. It's very, I guess it would almost be like Brooklyn, like around Hackney, all of that. Mm. Um, south, South, I would say it's very like down to earth. South and North, I feel are very down to earth, very normal. Then you have like on the West, you have the really like the traditionally posh and rich. And on the East, you have the more kind of traditionally working class as it used to be. But now, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of mixed up now, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But South London is home to Millwall, right? Southeast, yeah. Southeast, it is, okay. yeah. So that would be considered more of a, like your working class area or? Well, there in Bermondsey, which traditionally was, but now is like really kind of up and coming, like mm. has nice breweries and stuff like that. So it's all very different now. So would London, outside of London, be like, like your Liverpools, your um, Brighton City, would that be more, you're considered your, your working class? Mm, Liverpool, I guess, maybe could be back when we had like shipyards and docks. But Liverpool, like everyone loves Liverpool. I'd love to go and visit because they're all so nice, like Scousers, as we call them. They're mm. so nice. And there is a bit of a divide. People think the North is much more friendly than the South and that the South is stuck up. And I can see it. Like, South keep themselves themselves a lot more. Um, so I really like the North because I think they're really friendly and it's beautiful. They have, like, some of the most beautiful mountains and parks and everything. But Brighton is, like, very hippie. Mm. It's the gay capital of the UK. It's super... It's very like vegan, very green. They have the only um, MP elected for the Green Party. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very hippie, which is nice. Yeah. So and McDonald's, it's on the coast, which is McDonald's nice. McDonald's wouldn't do well there. It, I don't think it would, no. <laughs> <laughs> no it wouldn't. So uh, to get back to the, um, to the, the COVID situation that happened with you. So take us through the beginning, middle, and now where you are right now as far as the lockdowns. I know you you mentioned earlier that there was um, the restaurants were open Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, yeah. and that was the first the first time. Was it what what led up to the shutdowns, the craziness, the first, second, and now the present time? 
So the first lockdown, they just, so there's an emergency committee here called COBRA, which is, if anything happened, whether it was terrorist related, pandemic, it's like the steering group in the government. And Boris Johnson missed like the first five COBRA meetings about the pandemic. So nothing got done. Um, and he was going around shaking hands with people saying, it's fine, it's fine. Um, making babies. Making babies, yeah. And then they yeah. had, there's a really big horse racing festival that my dad and my brother go to every year called Cheltenham in the kind of westish of England. And loads of people go, like an insane amount of people go. And we didn't really know at the time about how serious the pandemic was and they should have cancelled it but they didn't and they mm -hmm. think that the Cheltenham event caused because people come from all over the UK caused it to properly spread so right after that they shut the country down for a long time maybe like three or four months and then in the summer the pubs opened and the government were like get out there support the pubs and the English loved the pubs so we all went obviously it was it was like socially distanced but was that mandatory or or just suggested it was mandatory yeah okay but they let like households mix and stuff like that and it all seemed to relax very much so people really relaxed Europe opened its borders like I went to Italy and Slovenia loads of people went abroad which looking back is crazy mm -hmm. um but we were like encouraged to do it and support the economy um, and then in November, it was getting bad again. But the kids had started going back to schools. Some offices were open, but every, most people were still working from home. And um, Boris Johnson said, we really want everyone to have Christmas. So we're going to do a four week lockdown to bring the cases back down and like relieve the hospitals. And you'll be able to have Christmas with your families and friends or whatever so yeah. everything shut except for the schools again so no pubs no restaurants all of that no shops um and then it reopened in december in different tiers they put parts of the country having like different rules so where outbreaks were really bad um pubs weren't open but in london pretty much everything was open and everyone with the second lockdown was like he did it too late but everyone was like well if we can get the cases back and we can see our family and friends for Christmas, it's worth it. Because what the government did was they said there was a five-day window where three households could be together and you could travel up and down the country in those five days with a maximum of three households under the same roof. Mm -hmm. So that was like the only thing getting people through because winter here is just so miserable. And mm -hmm. then I think it was five days before Christmas, the cases were going up and up and up. And Boris Johnson basically was like, lockdown's coming in. Or well, not lockdown's coming in. He basically cancelled Christmas and was like, you can't go and see friends. You can't. Um, but some people did. So basically, it was literally me and my mum on Christmas Day. It was so sad. <laughs> we were all, it was, and it was really bad. Like, I mean, is, is, is Christmas a big deal in London? or Very, yeah. Really? Yeah, very. Um, so that really irritated people. No one really knew what was going to happen. Um, but the schools were going back in January after the Christmas holidays. Um, and then he suddenly did another lockdown that was really serious. So the schools opened for, I think, two days, which is ridiculous because then they shut again. All the shops shut. 
all pubs, everything, like everything was shut and it has remained that way <laughs> ever since. So it's been a month in the third lockdown. But they started the vaccinations, so they're hoping by Easter things will open up a bit more when like the vulnerable and the old are vaccinated. Uh, it just sounds like a really, really big mess. It's like Yeah, it's like uh, open, shut, open, shut, open, yeah. shut. Yeah, it's like we're going to keep the keep it spreading down. Then we're going to open back up. Uh, what I find fascinating is that Sweden has very few cases. Yeah, and, and they didn't shut, did they? No, they didn't. Yeah. So um, I know that I, I had Salome's uncle on here um, last week, and he was talking about how like we're we're going to be exposed to the coronavirus. The, the most important thing is you must get your immunity strong. Yeah, and if it's yeah. strong, and if you're strong, and you're not overweight, and if you're don't drink a, a ton of alcohol. You're not smoking in well, and you're not old. You you could be okay. Yeah, you know, you could be, and I guess Sweden kind of proved that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what did you hear about Sweden? We thought they were crazy at the beginning for not doing anything, but now I think they probably had it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it just stoked the fires of fear quite a bit, and 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 showed everyone what what they do with fear yeah definitely you know i i I think this is kind of a wake-up call what happened for us yeah i agree for sure like how how do we gonna handle something we can't say how do we handle uncertainty definitely you know how do we what do we do about it like i'll take care of yourself (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know, it is strange that it'll be nearly a year since it all kicked off in the western world (laughs) It's so funny when you think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we'd have said this, like, on this day last year, this would happen. No way. Yeah. I mean, but on the other hand, like, Vietnam, they, their economy has, they did the shutdown, you know, did social distancing, the whole nine, shut down the economy, shut down everything. And there was no second or third shutdowns after that. Oh, right really? now, the, yeah, the economy is doing very, very well. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, I mean they're they're not opening up like other people are and stuff like that, but maybe in certain ways. But yeah, and yeah. Um, a friend in uh, Thailand, she was saying there was no mandates uh, about wearing masks, but people just did it. Yeah, from where my friend lives, she's she lives around like fifty thousand people. Only one person got it. Wow. One person. Wow. In her town, in her hometown, yeah. God, they said here for ages, they were like, masks, masks are useless, you don't have to wear one. Like, And then in, I think, August, they said you had to wear them in supermarkets and shops. Well, who's they? The government, yeah. They were like, they don't work. Yeah, and now you have to wear one in like public shops and on public transport. Um, yeah, but for ages, no one wore them because we were told they were useless. <laughs> like you'd go into supermarkets and you'd be like oh they're wearing a mask when actually god how stupid are we <laughs> like of course a mask is gonna help like <laughs> yeah yeah i just don't I, I don't get it it's like we, we didn't handle this well we didn't. no awful yeah so. there have to be an inquiry here for sure because we've just passed a hundred thousand deaths and the highest in europe and there has to yeah it's insane yeah, I mean, things got better in Italy. Things got better in Spain. Things got, yeah. better, things got worse in, in England. Yeah. We just need to be better educated about our leaders and be more 
on top of them for you know for when they make decisions and stuff like that. Yeah. So we really do. We just we can't afford it, and that's that's both. I mean, every time they spend our future, our kids, our grandkids, our great great grandkids have to pay that debt back. Yeah. You That's know, a great and, point. Yeah. And what what did we do to stop that from happening? Nothing. I know it's like climate change, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Is that something you're passionate about? Yeah. I'm not like uh extinction rebellion or anything like that, but I'm very conscious of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't eat much meat. Um I rarely rarely eat meat because of that and also like ethically like it's weird because i would love a mcdonald's burger but i rarely rarely have a burger like what do you have i'd have like i'd rarely have chicken if i'm gonna have Mm. meat for some reason i don't feel as bad about chickens as i do cows and pigs i really don't like eating pork at all Mm. um yeah i'm mostly vegetarian but then i use oat milk for example but then like i love cheese and that dairy industry is bad so Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely could do more. I know that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I see that it's uh, dark in the background. Hopefully I didn't make your day. It is. No, I've really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Really? It's so interesting. Yeah. I was quite nervous. Um, so I've not done this before, but it was, it was really interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're a very interesting character. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not, I don't know if anyone will find this interesting, but do you know what it reminds me of when you went, it'd be like, it's almost like we were sat in a pub with some beer, but we're not, we're over Zoom. And I've yeah. got water, but it feels like that kind of uh, conversation. So I've really, really enjoyed it. I've definitely enjoyed it as well. I mean, you're super interesting, and despite what you think. Well, oh. <laughs> and, and uh, I, I will be uh, hoping the next time I communicate with you that you'll start the artist way and yeah, get going on that. We will go and see football matches. Yes, I will go to Crystal Palace for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. My family would love to meet you and show you a proper game and all of that. Oh, I'm down. I'm I'm there. Yeah. And, they, and make this make the sojourn into uh, England for the best fish and chips. Yes, we'll do that as well for sure. <laughs> but avoiding McDonald's along the journey. Yeah. No. No more McDonald's. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard think about that. <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad. I don't like that company. What they how they treat employees and. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that as well. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, yeah. Need to eat better. That's that's yeah. But there's a I forgot the name of the author, um, and I keep talking about his book. He was saying your biggest problem is not global warming; it is what we eat. Yeah, is it Eating Animals by Jonathan? No, no. I've heard that's good. I can't remember. No, it's a uh, philosopher turned doctor or something like that. But um, he was just saying that he agrees that global global warming is a problem, but yeah. what we eat is worse. Like yeah, for eating junk, we're going to think junk, we're going to do junk and be junk. Yeah. I mean, he sold me on that. So I, I'm learning to eat better as much yeah. as I love, 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 love a good donut every now and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I, it's the only thing I miss about New York City is just being able to go to like Donut Planet and just yeah buy these super expensive donuts that I'm going to regret eating later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Got to open donuts in, in London. Yeah, we have. I feel like we don't really have any. Yeah, I don't feel like we do. There you go. I just made somebody a millionaire. How about that? Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) thank you very much. I'll go and open one. (laughs) All right, you take care, Harry. All right, you too. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to our website, thefullpodcast.com, and follow us. We'd appreciate your support. More episodes are soon on their way.